Okay, welcome to another episode of Just Another Bozo on the Bus, which is important. Um, I'm sitting here with Joe Covey, um, and uh, we're going to be talking today about life, the universe, and everything. Um, but there's a thing that I, I want to welcome our, our listeners, who sometimes I call bozos, because it just reminds us how we're all pretty much the same. Uh, Joe is a friend and uh, a neighbor, and I, I met Joe um, because he came to my door one day and uh, introduced himself and um, let let him let me know that uh, he was there to to visit, and uh, Joe and I quickly became friends. I will say. In fact, um, I think that night that uh, you came over and sat down with Kristen and I. You, uh, we ended up talking so long that you uh, didn't realize what time it was, and your your family was worried where you, where you had gone off to. They, they were just about ready to send out the sheriff, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that maybe you had been kidnapped by. <laughs> yeah, some... yeah. There, there, there was a genuine level of concern by my wife. Let me put it that way. But um, uh, Joe, uh, I met Joe through um, his work with the. Um, LDS Church here, and uh, he, he is, uh, represents the, the church in our neighborhood, and I use the term home teacher, um, but you use the word... Minister. Minister. I get, ministry, call it whatever, whatever. you want. Yeah. I, mean. um, I call him friend, and, uh, and a, um, a connection, and someone who I uh, deeply value, um, and have gotten to know over this past year, and... Um, I'm grateful that uh, he's come into my life, but uh, enough about that, and we'll talk more about that later. But this is uh, uh, Joe's opportunity to tell us a little about a bit about himself and uh, his family, if he chooses to, and uh, we'll we'll kind of go from there. Welcome, Joe. Thank hey, thanks you. for taking the time. Thanks, thanks, Paul. We've wanted to do this for a little while. At least I have. No, no, I and I just uh, and listening to your other. Some of your other podcasts, I've thought, you know, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> and and maybe I'm the one that's the odd man out here, but, you know, not having, not being a therapist, not having, you know, uh, deep insights, probably, uh, as some of your, your guests, but... Not having a deep story of, of hardship or addiction or something well, like that. Well, I mean, you know? I just, you, we were talking about it earlier, about... Um, my story, and I think part of, um, as I look back on kind of my journey, like I was saying, I think I, I lived in a bubble, I think. Mm -hmm. I came from a wonderful family, 10 mm -hmm. kids, mm -hmm. uh, all single births. Um, Which is pretty remarkable in itself, yes, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Not, not that there were 10 births in a, in a family here <clears throat> in Utah. I mean, yes. So, but, but, uh, but still, I mean, I just... It was basically three families. There was kind of the older kids, the middle kids, and the younger kids. And I was number five, so I was kind of in the middle group. <laughs> and then, of, you know, you know that, that's that, that you can't really. There's no, no, there's I, no five I, and a yes, half. So yes, yes, no. Know. I was in. I was in the middle group, and then, um, but but grew up in a in a home where um, parents cared about each other, and. Um, People generally got along. I mean, there's always, you know, sibling, you know, fighting and issues and and whatever, but but nothing uh, nothing too major. Um, 
No, not not too many visits to the hospital when uh, with siblings. That, that's uh, right. That's right. No that's kidding. right. And then then uh, then ended up at nineteen, uh, going on a an LDS mission in Spain. Mm. And I think that's. I mean, in terms of my journey with people and mm-hmm. connecting with people, and th- I think that's probably where it started. I mean, I had a. I had a uh, a mission companion, mm-hmm. um, fantastic guy. My first one, and and here I was new new in Spain, um, learning the language, struggling to learn the language, to understand people, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I was just so focused on myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, getting through the day and learning the language and being able to communicate and doing what's right and keeping these mission rules and all this stuff and and um how did you do on the mission rules i did um i did okay i mean i'm i'm i started out in the, By the beginning way, we should probably explain what mission rules are because there are people that listen to this that have, have no idea what it, so so missionaries about. have um people are on an lds mission i mean there's uh, time to get up. There's a time to study, uh, you know, kind of scriptures in the morning. There's a time you have a companionship study together and talk about planning uh-huh. out the day. And then you do visits during the day and then you come back and do visits in the afternoon. And, and, uh, life is pretty scheduled. Oh yeah. No, yeah. very, very scheduled. Very, uh, um, if you kind of, fall into the system it's 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 structured i mean there's not you know you have a suggested go to bed time you have a suggested get up time you have a you know i mean it's 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 pretty structured during the day and and i think for me um you know i wanted to be a good missionary i wanted to do what i should do and what i you know i mean so i was i i diligently um tried to follow every rule and and uh it's interesting that that i would find that you know when i wouldn't follow the rules specifically um i would find myself kind of beating myself sure. up saying God, i'm just such a loser missionary i'm negative self-talk oh yeah i mean i'm not gonna and um so in the first i mean it was a two-year period of time so i'm in in southern spain and uh, for the whole two-year period of time, that sounds terrible. And just, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, just I, I started in a in a city on the coast by the name of San Lucar de Barrameda, just a fishing community, uh-huh. cobblestone streets, mm-hmm. the white house is just exactly what you'd mm-hmm. you'd you'd um, picture on a kind of southern Spain little town. Um, but I had this I had this companion who. Um, here I was wrapped up in my own little world of, you know, making sure I followed every rule and learning mm-hmm. the language and mm-hmm. making sure I was getting my studies in. And and, and uh, he had those issues. And then he was, um, um, he had uh, his mom back home was a single mom. Um, he had a, a younger brother that was was uh struggling with a with a drug addiction he mm-hmm. had a sister that was uh in and out of bad relationships for her um it was uh and so i here i was as a 19 year old kid looking at this guy i'm with and he's a, he's someone who when he was uh 
a senior in high school went down to Lake Powell with a group, um, jumped out of a houseboat, um, dove into the water, didn't realize a sandbar was underneath the water. Oh my God. Uh, broke his neck. Oh my God. Paralyzed. So we would get up every morning and he would lay down on the ground and I would put one finger on each of his arms mm -hmm. and he would try to raise his arms up into the middle. That were the exercises because his totally, uh, so he had low functioning, both of his arms, hands, um, because of, because of his, uh, his broken neck. Oh my gosh. So, so it's amazing that he didn't become paralyzed. Oh yeah. Really yeah. Funny. And, and, uh, for a period of time they thought he would be, but so here I was this 19 year old kid with what I would claim is a charmed life growing up, mm -hmm. you know, the high school quarterback and the grades came easy and the friends and, and uh, so for the first time, I saw somebody up close and personal who had real responsibility. Mm -hmm. He was worried about his mother. Not only all this mission stuff, mm -hmm. but he was worried about his mother at home. He was worried about his sister. He was worried about yeah. his brother. Yeah. He was the father figure in the home. Yeah. And, and so... He was the was he the oldest then? He was the oldest, okay. yeah. So maybe I mean a little bit of parentification. As we yes, say, yes. Okay. yes, very much so. And so, kind of for the first time, that I think opened my eyes mm -hmm. to 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 say, look, you've got to get out of your own little bubble. Mm -hmm. You you've you've grown up in this protected, sheltered little world, and. Uh, there are people with real needs and real concerns and and uh anyway so that was the process and then of course in spain you're this 19 year old punk kid and you're and you're you know talking to people with life experience and and uh who um have family issues and sure. and real life issues mm -hmm. And and you're listening for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. um, you're not worried about the the game that just happened last week. They're talking about their marriage relationship or their family. Mm -hmm. I mean, things spill out, and and uh, and I don't know. For the first time for me, it was kind of opening my eyes to say, "God, there's there's uh, so much of a need to connect with people, mm -hmm. to to be real and honest with people, and." Uh, and so I, that that kind of for me, I think was kind of the beginning of this then self discovery process when I realized you know then I got married and and uh, realized that look I'm I'm a, a good person doing the best I can but but there's another way to see life there's another way to see the world and. Uh, and uh, anyway, that just that was kind sure. of the beginning of, of of my journey of kind of you know trying to connect more well, in a real way with people. I have a couple of thoughts. I mean, a couple of questions or thoughts. Um, is is that when um, was, was that sort of when you had sort of this realization that you know you were just a, kind of another bozo on the bus kind of thing? That this idea of you know that that there are people out there with, with, with problems that maybe are different than you, than you grew up around, but you were not that far from them. Everyone has their struggles and their problems and their issues to deal with. Um, and then, then too is, uh, and, and I, I'm wondering if, um, 
that you grew up sort of in an environment around your home where it, it was okay or you were encouraged to be vulnerable or not? Um, I don't, I mean, in terms of being vulnerable, um, you know, I say that because like seeking connection, wanting to see connection is, is that is a natural tendency towards vulnerability to be for, which is an act of courage in in my way of of looking at this, you know, to show up and be vulnerable and let people see who we really are. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, growing up in a family of so many kids, Mm -hmm. um, I think as I look back on it now, there was a lot of just survival by my parents. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative or derogatory mm-hmm. way in every, any way, but, but uh, you would think, you know, 10 kids, my mom would have been this domestic goddess. Uh-huh. She was the farthest thing from that. <laughs> she was, uh, she was, she didn't sew. She, she cooked. I mean, you know, she was consistent cooking, mm-hmm. but would not see herself as a as a uh, a great cook in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, if you wanted to talk about, you know, um, the Renaissance, uh, about Egyptian literature, mm-hmm. uh, about you know medieval time, and she was uh, very well read. Uh, a creative writer uh-huh. um, and taught English before she was married uh, and creative writing and uh, you know I mean just we'd have great discussions on those issues but in terms of you know running a home in a real you know kind of as a domestic kind of a traditional mother mm-hmm. not I mean now loving and she was caring. more of an academic is what you're saying absolutely yeah. much more of an academic <laughs> And uh, and and I viewed my father again very loving, but but in a um, he was busy. He had a lot of church responsibilities. Mm-hmm. He had a, a lot of work responsibilities, mm-hmm. and uh, so I guess it wasn't until so so looking back on that, I see that they were doing the best that they could, um, but it was. I mean, with so many children, I didn't have the expectation that they were going to be at all my events, that they were going to be, you know, holding my hand. No, no, it just it just it just didn't happen. So I think on the on the kind of looking outward and becoming vulnerable, I think really it was beginning with this experience in Spain Mm -hmm. and uh, and then. and then getting married to someone who was whom I loved but was very opposite of me, totally opposite in terms of the way she viewed life and and uh perfect yeah, I mean it just it, that was I think the beginning of saying, look I, I realize now that we've all got our issues we've mm-hmm. all got you know we've all got our challenges and our struggles mm-hmm. and what we're trying to do and and uh but 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 the connection with a person seemed to be kind of a guiding thing. But I, but I will say growing up in my home, I felt safe. Mm-hmm. I, I did feel safe. Um, and, uh, and I think that's, it seems like, uh, in my home now, I mean, five kids later, um, that seems to be a big deal about having an environment where 
someone can feel safe. They can feel safe from making comments, Mm -hmm. feel safe about um, letting their guard down a little bit. And maybe that's a part of that vulnerability you're talking about. Yes, that's a perfect example of it. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you... I mean, th- that that does a, a beautiful job of answering that. Thank you, Joe. Um, so I'm going to guess that it was Spain that you realized that you're, you know, yet or had, when, when did you realize, or have you, because <laughs> maybe it's time, if not, um, you know, that this idea that you're just like everyone else. I mean, that everyone has their struggles, that everyone is doing their best. I mean, was that also, you know, maybe at this point when, Especially with you know getting married and those kinds of things, where you you felt more like, oh, okay, I, I, I'm part of something much you know much bigger. And, and I think it began with with uh, with Spain. I think it also, I mean, my affiliation with the LDS Church has kind of put me in situations where I've had opportunities to deal with people in various phases of their life mm-hmm. also i'm you know i'm a lawyer mm-hmm. and uh and i i'm sorry no. yeah i know don't <laughs> please don't hold it against me i mean but uh but i've my whole practice uh my whole legal practice has been dealing with people and companies in financially distressed situations mm-hmm. I grew up as what they call kind of a Chapter 11 lawyer doing these Chapter 11 corporate restructurings for businesses. But but when you say a business, a business is just comprised of a bunch of individuals. Yeah. It's someone that has a company that he or she really cares about right. that's in financial distress. Right. And my experience is when they're, the company's in financial distress... The individuals are in financial distress, and possibly the family too. Yeah, so on the family, numerous and, families involved. In that. So, so I think going back to this, you know, um, seeing that everyone's kind of another, you know, bozo on the bus. Maybe I'm not putting that correctly, but but I think both through um, through kind of church involvement and also work involvement, you realize. Everybody's in the same suit. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people have issues and problems that are more noticeable, mm-hmm. and you can see on the outside. Mm-hmm. But when you get underneath, there is no such. I mean, from my perspective, right. there is no such thing as a super mom, super dad. We make compromises all over the place, right. and we try to accommodate, and we do the best we can, and uh, and. And, you know, we're, we're all just trying to do the best we can. No one has the absolute answers to all the questions. I mean, right. I, 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 our oldest son um, going through high school um, would always say, you know, it's not fair. You, you know, I'm just, you guys, uh, you know, you're doing stuff and you're, you know, what the, the rules that you're imposing on me, the curfew or whatever, it's, it's, it's not fair. And my response would be, you're absolutely right. It's not fair, but we don't know anything better. Right. We're doing the best we can under the circumstance. Two kids later, we may figure out that we do something totally different. But but, uh, but so, uh, so I think through that, both kind of the uh, beginning in Spain and that kind of my church experience and then also mm-hmm. my work experience, you just, 
I mean, just we're all doing the best we can. <laughs> I don't know. See, and the idea of being just another bozo on the bus is not supposed to be derogatory. I mean, it comes off that way, but it's more about the acceptance of humanity and our, and our place in it and realizing we're not better than anyone else. Yeah. That, um, you know, because that, that what creates the, the sense of when people feel like they're different or better or it, it leads to prejudice and bias and tribalism and those kinds of things. So hopefully um, it's it, taking it the derogatory that, com- that often comes associated with the, the bozo on the bus comment. It becomes more of one where we're playful and, and acknowledge yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that everyone's doing their best. Yeah. I wonder, um, with this in the household you grew up with, um, you grew up with uh, <clears throat> parents that were both, I guess, have academic backgrounds in many ways. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, dad, um, was, was he a famous author when you were growing up? Was he already... Uh, known for his writings he he wasn't i mean he well uh, i mean he was uh um, he was a you know harvard business school graduate he was uh um had done a lot of leadership training Mm -hmm. and uh when i was younger no books had been written or anything like that but um but certainly there was he was um he was a teacher he taught in at a university um, and uh, education and, and, and learning were important to my both of my parents sure. um, and uh, so so it was it was um, but yeah no I mean at, at, at that at those early years yeah. nothing I mean it was it was more leadership training but nothing had been right. you know put in well the, I, I'm kind of wondering if in some ways if the family was a bit of a laboratory I mean as oh. a parent right because I mean he's dealing with some pretty even though they may be simple ideas in, in some ways um, from what he's popular for um, uh, that you know that, that would be wouldn't be out of the ordinary to sort of the family system become a, a bit of a laboratory to test some of these concepts concepts out. Oh, there's no absolutely, there's no doubt. no doubt. And I know that you know, in looking back, we had activities and events and uh-huh. and uh, you know things we talked about. We would try to get together during the school year every morning for fifteen minutes. And uh, we would have a, a, a prayer. We would read out of some, you know, I'll call it wisdom literature, okay. some sort of scripture mm-hmm. for, for a few minutes and have a little bit of a discussion. And uh, there were lots of things that now as I look back that were kind of, you know, I'm going to test this out yeah. um, <laughs> on the kids and the family. And, of course, we were most of the time just blurry-eyed. It was early in the morning, and it was like, Dad, come on, can't we just get on with this? But but uh, but there's no doubt um, that there was there was a lot of that. And so, in terms of in terms of uh, my dad's involvement, we um, he um, was a professor. We left for several years, moved to Australia. And uh, and then came back uh, to Salt Lake City, and uh, then he um, he ultimately teamed up with my uncle Stephen to in this Covey Leadership Center mm. down in Provo that that then years later became you know Franklin Covey mm-hmm. 
and that was that was kind of the connection. That's a that's a amazing story, in the sense of growing up in that kind of environment. I think though, I mean, in a way, yes, as a child, it's like you know, what is all this? <laughs> what are you trying to do necessarily? Yes. But in the, in the long run, it probably paid off. I mean, it, it sounds like it, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the um, he was always very focused on kind of principles for good living. I mean, yeah. you know, these seven habits of highly effective family. I'm not trying to make some sort of you know uh, play for it, but 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 you know this the, these principles it's, of it's of known. you know being proactive and and uh, and not reactive. And I mean, so I think as those were kind of studied and examined and learned and mm -hmm. um tested um it was good i mean they they were they were principles by which i think you you know they they help with with healthy relationships sure yeah and, and developing some some uh, hopefully some good habits i mean some healthy habits some healthy living yeah you know to, to work by, I, I remember the first time I read these books, and, and and you know they were definitely impactful. Whether you all of a sudden one adjusts their whole lives to live by them, it just definitely becomes a point where there's 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 wisdom in there. You know, I guess that's probably the best word for it is yeah. there's wisdom in there. Yeah, you know, and obviously growing up in that kind of environment, you kind of got some of that passed on to you in some form or another. Even if it's by osmosis. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, I, a little. You know, as you're a teenager, you don't appreciate. I mean, at least no, I didn't right. appreciate what's going on. I just, I just assumed that I would get up in the morning and I would eat and I would have food when I got home at night. And you know, that's I kind of lived my life based on those assumptions. And and then then realized, you know, once I got married, that actually toothpaste didn't automatically come with whatever apartment you moved into or whatever so amazing amazingly now right certain things just don't automatically show up in the yeah. house right? yeah yeah you've got to go out and buy them um well this and, and i think i i'm kind of going to go a little full circle here because um part of this idea of connecting and this idea of you know, finding what sort of bonds us all together um, is is kind of what brought you you and I together. I mean, or at least you, our families together. Um, this idea of being able to get to know people, this idea of being willing to sit, and um, I, I always loved the term, you know, breaking bread. Even though I don't think we broke any bread that night, um, but the idea that when people sit down and talk. And listen to each other and and communicate uh, openly and effectively. If you want to use the word again, vulnerability a little bit, just being honest yeah. and hopefully not too much pretense. Um, they get kind of lost in that. It's almost as if there's a dance or um, some kind of magic in there when when people connect and they begin to share stories and and they find out sort of the commonalities that they have. And when I, I think about how important that is, and even in my profession of what I do, that's sometimes how the relationships begin with my clients, is being able to sit down and be, and be able to listen and hear them and talk to them in such a way that hopefully it becomes natural and normal to be vulnerable. Um, and, and understanding that how important vulnerability is, that we show up for each other. 
um, and, and be willing to listen to the other person. And, and, that, and, and honestly, Joe, that's one of the things that, that stood out to me that, that first time we're together. It, it stands out every time that we talk, even if it's just for a few, a few minutes. But that idea of how simple it is, but how important it is to show up and be present with somebody. Um, one of the things that um, I've always felt was has been important, especially the part of the reason behind this podcast was this idea of of why why the importance of connection becomes so vital to our spirit, to our our spiritual lives, to um, the way we live and and connect also within ourselves, to what I think of as some authentic. Um, I mean, some some people you know call it the spirit within or the God within or whatever, and I, I don't want to define what the, the language necessarily. Yeah. Um, but how do you how do you feel that 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 works for you, and how do you feel that that uh, the importance of of the way in which you sort of live and, and connect to that in in, in community, you know, uh, family, in in spiritually in life, and through your church? Well, I mean, um, this idea of um, finding the the voice within that spirit within mm-hmm. um, really is a defining part of my life. Mm. I mean, I find that that uh, for me, um, I've got to take time on. I try to take time on a daily basis. I uh, sometimes it's not that regular, but but to be quiet inside mm-hmm. and usually for me it's in the morning and uh, when I get up I seem to have a clarity of thought and I th- seem to be more quiet inside I think I seem to be more in tune mm-hmm. if you will and uh, and so for me to, to say okay I'm going to try to what can I do to enhance that sensitivity to you know this spirit within with this this voice within whatever you want to call it um i mean i usually try to you know read some sort of wisdom literature Mm -hmm. you know the bible the the, some sort of scriptural something something that um is uh principle based but but uh, um and and you know kind of fill my cup so that 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 really is a uh really a defining part of my life and and uh it's had such a huge impact on um my other relationships i mean my relationship with my with my partner with my spouse with my children and um but i think it's it started with on a regular basis and maintained with with that you know, filling my cup on a on a regular basis, trying to do that, and then, and then, I mean, I guess the the second part is, I mean, when we met, um, not surprisingly, you were so awesome. I mean, here I show up at your door, mm-hmm. um, not knowing you from Adam, mm-hmm. and you're gracious and kind. And as my recollection was, your comment was, look, Joe, you're always welcome mm-hmm. in, in my house. Now, my wife, 
she may she may you you mention uh church or she may run you off the door but but uh but look you're always welcome and um and then uh but but in terms of um but but reaching out to someone else and uh I don't view our relationship as me serving you, but yeah, I'm enhanced. I mean, it, when I reach out consistently and, uh, and, and I, you know, on, and that's part of this kind of spiritual routine is to say, I've got to look outward. I've got, I've got to look, I've got to live in part beyond myself. I've, and, uh, and there was this quote about, you know, when we're all wrapped up in ourselves, we make very small packages or something like that. And and uh, and I'm not saying that we we've got to we've got to take care of ourselves. We've got to charge our our our, our our batteries. But at yeah. the same time, um, reaching out and serving and and uh, doing something beyond ourselves for me has been. I mean, I think those are the two biggest things. One is is um, that that recharge that spiritual recharge i'll call it in in trying to do that each day when i'm quiet and i try to you know enhance my spirit and then uh and then some sort of service i mean sometimes i get that through uh church related stuff mm-hmm. most of the time i find that the most meaningful service and connection comes in more natural ways mm-hmm. just interfacing with people mm-hmm. um whether at work or or uh or, or other places so i don't know if those are kind of i mean i don't know if i don't know yeah, if i'm I, I don't know if i'm that i'm i'm, I'm answering your question but but those are kind of two real meaningful ways that that uh have helped my spiritual journey yeah, yeah. well and you know you 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 brought up uh, Kristen and sort of the different ways in which uh <laughs> I mean, I know that she's she values <laughs> our relationship with you and your family deeply, but it is funny based upon her experiences, you know, that she has a little bit of skepticism yeah. uh, uh, about church matters at times. Um, and myself, if um, my listeners don't know, I'm not I, <laughs> I'm not LDS. I practice no faith, um, but I I do love and appreciate. Most days, um, because I, I, I like the way that they allow people to connect. And so I'm, I'm always looking for some holistic way to sort of find this, this uh, link that can bring us all together so that we have less division. So um, this is part of the reason why I wanted to have Joe on today was to be able to talk about this and, and why we end up showing up in each other's lives and how, how important that becomes. Um, but also something stood out to me that you were saying there, especially about, um, you know, your morning routine yeah. and how you get up. And it kind of reminded me of <laughs> your dad starting that morning routine with you guys. And it, there's, there's similarities between it. So even though maybe at the time that he was implementing those, maybe some of that kind of kind of took hold, right? Oh, yeah. oh there's, there's no doubt. And to be honest, as a family... Um, we try to do the same thing uh-huh. during the. We don't do it during the summer when the kids are off because no one wants sure. to. No one, except for me going to work. No one, you know, or my wife getting up and doing something. No one else has to right. 
get up early so we don't do that, but we've continued to um, get together. Uh-huh. It's usually 10 or 15 minutes max. Mm-hmm. Uh, we usually have a prayer. Uh, we usually read something, some sort of uplifting thought, some spiritual thought, some something um, that we then we talk about for just a few minutes. And then then uh, usually we pick one person in the family and give a compliment for them. Oh, nice. And, and we did that growing up, too. Uh-huh. That was the pattern growing up, which which uh we continued and 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 it's not complicated it's it's okay it's emma's turn this morning and then we go around and i say i love emma because whatever and 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 young kids i mean it's i love emma because you know she did the dishes for me last night or i love emma because you know she doesn't you know is not mean to me i mean this is not this is not it's not rocket science. No, it doesn't have no. To be highly, um, you know, it, it doesn't have to define something, you know, that stands out as uh, about that person necessarily. But what a great way to start the day! No, really, what a powerful way to start the day, giving somebody a compliment. Yeah. So um, here in Utah, we do have the highest suicide rate among adolescents, um, and I think that's. 10 to 17 year olds is is where that that's described um we know a, a big portion of the the suicides are associated with fe- feelings that these young men especially i mean the the, the gender wise it does lean more towards young men even though um i don't know exactly what that is but i think it's 60 or 70 percent young men um a lot of this a lot of these young men um and and women are some of them are struggling with substance abuse but one of the things that they we we know that is partly associated with this is um the feelings of being ostracized or um that something's wrong with them because of their uh, sexual and gender orientation um so lgbtq issues and and one of the things that has been really uh, a big influence on that is um, the this the, here that's it's, we got. I think it's coming up. Actually, it's next Saturday. Uh, the Love Loud concert up at Rice Stadium. It sold out a while ago, um, and I'm, I'm assuming they can pack in forty or fifty thousand people in there, maybe more. Yeah, yeah. And um, because last year they just, they had it down in Provo, it was twenty thousand. And this is to it's, it's a way to celebrate and support. Um, young, the, the youth and, and people that are struggling within our community. And there's kind of this back and forth that's been going around for a while. You know, um, what's acceptable, what's okay. Um, and I'm curious what your thoughts are about this, especially being someone who, um, you know, has a, a strong faith and a strong belief system when um, we see that this... Uh, belief system or however you want to define it the the um, identifying that if uh, people are um, gay or, or lesbian that or transgender for that matter that um, that there's something wrong with them uh, not that God doesn't love them and not that they're not welcome and accepted but they can't act or live by those they can't get married or or, or live that how, how how do you feel about this issue and do you know anyone or has it touched you in any way 
So, um, I mean, I'm. I know I'm Paul, opening up a can of worms. No, no, and I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, if if you know, I'm as a uh, as a lawyer um, who deals primarily with distressed company and personal assets. You know, I'm well qualified to answer these <laughs> questions. So, but but. Um, I mean, one of my, and, and, and maybe this isn't answering the question, but I mean, my feeling over the years and uh, like my interaction with, with your lovely wife, mm-hmm. Kristen, who I adore, mm-hmm. um, think the world of, um, is um, trying to overcome as best we can this, the distinction between... Um, what I would see as spirituality and and or maybe the uh, Christian gospel of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and religion. Um, it seems like when we talk about religion, there's just such a divide. It's a it seems to be a vehicle so often mm-hmm. to shame people mm-hmm. to divide people to have a hierarchy of the believers the non-believers mm-hmm. of the and and you look at the uh history of the world i mean some of the worst most horrific battles have been done yeah. in the name of god and and over religion and um my experience is that um attempting to I mean, you know, I've got a Christian orientation mm-hmm. and and attempting to um, true Christianity, from my perspective, understood is loving and accepting and encouraging and um, and and not divisive. Now, you take that principle <clears throat> and you apply it in a family. Yes. And and I don't. I have not had one of my children. I've got several nieces and nephews mm-hmm. and close family members. There's 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 going to be some some uh, reality that you know when you have yeah you, ten, you have ten, you have nine siblings that some of them are going to have children that are going to ha- be oriented towards a, a, yeah. a, a different um, sexual orientation or my or children gender. are not all grown. I mean, so we'll see how, what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, but, um, but it's, I do, it's, it's an issue that, that we struggle with. Um, but, but I kind of come back to from my belief system. One of the things that I believe will carry on. Mm-hmm. Um, even beyond this life, mm-hmm. are family connections and relationships. Mm-hmm. So when I stand back and say, okay, the things that I have, I know are going to melt away. They're, they're, I'm not taking those with me. Right. But if I do take <laughs> family relationships and connections... Your really nice car is not going to, going that, to heaven. And, and, and it's not even that nice, but I mean... <laughs> but yeah, but, but I mean... I'm playing. Yeah. I'm playing. Okay. But I mean... But I mean, how can I, how can I not embrace and accept and love um, 
someone regardless of what their orientation mm-hmm. is uh, when that relationship with that individual I don't I have no idea on the moral grander scheme sure. how this all plays out thank heavens I'm not the judge thank heavens I'm not the one calling the shots and you're in you're out you're you're yes you're no kind of a thing but um, I don't know so so um, I'm maybe I'm skirting your question and you're going to push it on me, uh, push me down a little bit more. But but uh, with that with that orientation, I just I just it's it's hard for me to not say, um, you know, what my job is as a parent would be to embrace and to love and support. And uh, anyway, so this what I'm hearing you say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, which Goodness knows, I changed my terminology there. Um, I am quite often. Uh, is that what I heard you just say? Is love is love? Yeah. Is, is, would you say that's accurate or, or not? I I agree. And and from my perspective, true Christianity understood is yeah. more compassionate, mm-hmm. more caring, more connecting mm-hmm. with an individual. And we've got policies, and I understand. I mean, I'm intimately aware of the fact that the LDS Church has taken a policy in terms of of uh, um, of of of, of, of rights and responsibilities, and and uh, in terms of the LGBTQ community and feeling ostracized, but. But, you know, we still want to try to include you. And how do you do that? And and how do you, you know, and and uh, it's a and and I don't I don't I wish I had the answer. I mean, I just uh, I think you actually do. I think you you said it. And and I I, I know I interrupted you, but I apologize now, but I'll, I'll explain it later. The idea here is that love is love. And. And that, and and I don't even, to be honest with you, I don't even fault the the, the church, but where it comes down to, I think, is comes down to us as individuals and as human beings, how we treat each other, which is all kind of what this is really about, right? Yeah. It's it's not. I mean, I understand that people focus on the church, and that 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 becomes um, a focal point because. Because it's there and exists, and there's a policy, and w- with that, um, and I know it's more than a policy, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to mix words here and and minimize it in any way. Because it's, but it's yeah. it's 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 stated in such a way that you know it, it identifies you know who who can be married and who can you know have children and and who can practice certain things. Regardless of that, I believe it ultimately comes down to us that how we treat each other, which is why I thought this was so important because I, I mean, I, I wanted to make sure and, and uh, cause I believe you probably thought similarly based upon our discussions we've had, you know, over the months, um, that it comes down to how we do treat each other, how we do accept each other, how we are willing to be and hold each other. And that all the rest of that stuff, on some level will work it out. And understanding that, yes, right, 
it's it's outside of my wheelhouse. I mean, obviously much further than outside mine than yours. But from the from the aspect of who can make those, you know, where, where, where that information comes from, and then who can choose to interpret it and and make the rules or the guidelines associated with it. I, I don't, I'm not worried about any of that. I'm more concerned about how, as two human beings, how we treat each other. Yeah. So that's really and what and I, I can about. and I can see you know from a. Um, from a, you know, my wife and I have had this discussion on on uh, on several occasions, um, in terms of how do we, you know, how do we? Are, I mean, it's one thing to say I've got a pure heart, but then is it another thing to to really embrace yes. and love and and? Uh, but I, I mean, conceptually in my mind, that's that's the only place you can go. Yes. Yeah. Um. Other than if you want to play deity and and make determinations and other things, I mean, you just um, it's about it's about reaching out and caring and loving and 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 especially in a it seems to me in a family context yes. when it's when it's when it's one of my own, if you will. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I, this becomes a difficult so, so, sometimes this becomes a difficult subject. But I, 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 we watched. Um, Kristen and I watched the. Uh, there's a, a docu, a docu, documentary. Um, I sometimes say that from the, the the way the British do. Like, oh, uh-huh. so I, 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 I've been working on it. Um, anyway, that on HBO, um, it's called Believe, I think, or Believer, and um, it's about the the the. Uh, the um, the Love Loud festival that was last year and, mm. and sort of how these people all came together and the people that have struggled with this issue in here in, in Utah and um, there there is sort of this this openness here I mean it's, we're such a dichotomy of ourselves sometimes here you know because it, it, we are a, a, some by some miracle a gay friendly city and um we we have a predominant we have a i guess high, higher than normal um percentage of the population whatever normal means um that are you know gay lesbian you know transgender yeah. bisexual and so on and and i i see that the, this idea of having an open heart and being able to apply that to anyone and everywhere and anytime becomes a defining moment of who we each are as human beings that our ability to you know and i i, in, I, I wrote this book as, as you know joe um recovering the seed how to live a wholehearted life and really that to me that's what it, in our about our, i guess my existence that's important is how do i do that how, how do i do that day by day because i struggle with living a wholehearted life some days because I know that I'm not always being open and welcoming to certain people that my biases and prejudices come out from time to time and some days more than others and I remind myself well I'm just human I'm just a human being I'm, I am just literally another bozo yeah on the bus yeah. and in my mind that's I mean I feel so much of my life is is um, you know the, this kind of uh metaphor analogy i'm i'm you know swimming across a a river and i've got a kind of a target on the other Uh side that i'm looking for and and uh well 
and I'm swimming, and and the current may be coming, you know, may be coming slowly. Uh-huh. And uh, if I don't pay attention to where I'm going, mm-hmm. all of a sudden I look up my look, lift my head up, and I'm a lot further down the river than I thought I was. I didn't feel it at the time. I was just kind of swimming in the current, but the current was kind of taking me down the river. And uh, and for me, part of that, trying to be quiet for some part of the day. I mean, I'm sure people do meditation or yoga or whatever they do, mm-hmm. but but that it's a recalibration. It's a reorientation to say it's the equivalent of kind of lifting my head up mm-hmm. out of the water and saying, okay, where am I going and am I actually doing today what I really say that is important to me? Am I going in the same direction that I really believe I want to go in? Mm-hmm. Or am I just letting the current, you know, not intentionally, but but is the currents kind of taking me down the river and I'm, I'm, I'm off kilter? Right. I'm, I'm off of where I want to be. And... Uh, and 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 I just I just for me when I get away from that regular time, mm-hmm. um, I you know then I lift my head back up figuratively speaking, and most of the time I I've, I'm letting biases come in, mm-hmm. I'm letting petty emotional things come into my relationships. Mm-hmm. And then I stand back and say, this is ridiculous. I mean, this is not what I want. This is not what I'm going for. Yeah. And so I've got to readjust what I'm doing. And, and uh, But for me, unfortunately, if I don't do that, I can just get off kilter easily. So this is, this is a constant, in some ways, if I'm hearing you, it's a constant realignment, too. Yes. And I believe that. I yeah. believe it's a daily... Maybe not, maybe not for others. For me, no, it's, I, I you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like my relationship with my wife. I mean, okay. I, you know, we've been married for... Let's see. I I should be able to spit this out in two seconds. Tammy, forgive me if you're listening here. But uh, so so, twenty six years, twenty seven years, and uh, and it's the same concept of kind of falling in love again and rediscovering each other and and uh, the person that we're evolving, uh-huh. we're growing up. Yeah. We've been growing up together for years right. and we're still, still learning evolving. and evolving yeah. and figuring stuff out together. And, and so it's kind of rediscovering that relationship and that person again and again, you right. know, same kind oh, that, of concept. That's, that, that's, a, that's, that's part of the reason why I wanted you about to listen to Rosie's podcast too, because she talked about that. And I thought that mm. was a powerful statement. I've been, that, that was a powerful statement for me to hear because I, I've always believed it on some level, but you just articulated it really well. This that that relationships evolve, and that the process we can fall out of love with people at times, and so it's learning how to fall back in love. It's like going through this process, which I think is just beautiful in some ways, and 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 speaks to sort of a resilience. I understand if there's some relationships do need to. I mean, do need to end. There's yes, no doubt about yes, it. and then and, and especially if there's abuse or there's uh, things of that nature, you, you know, some some people should not be together. True. 
and, and then there are other times that it's just about not learning how to evolve together, not ha- learning how to progress and, and doing the necessary work to, to, to do that. I'm, and again, I'm not saying what's right or wrong for anyone else, but I will say that in my life, this is, this is my journey right now, especially with Kristen, too. Um, I, I want to ch- change, just kind of move a little bit, if that's okay. Yeah. Because um, I think this, this, though I think I may already know the answer to it, um, one of the questions I, I ask the guests that come on, uh, a number of them, not all of them, but this idea, you know, of free will, you know, or, um, you know, do, do we have... Do we have free will, or are we pretty much very predictable? Our destinies are very, very predictable. And um, I believe the language that you know uh, that you would, maybe you and I would use, even though um, just because of living here for so long, with the is the idea of you know, do people really have free agency or not, or you know, is that sort of a fallacy on, on some level that we we really were more predictable. The behaviorists believe this. A lot of traditional behaviorists go, you know, that, you know, we can, people are conditioned to react and behave in certain ways over and over and over again. And that can be predicted and very predictable. And I think there's maybe some truth to that. But I also wonder, you know, how you feel that, you know, do people, do we have free will? Is it something that really is, is, you know, deeply woven into who we are as human beings. And, and, you know, I mean, from my perspective, a resounding yes. (laughs) I mean, I'm not sure how we can be, if there's not agency, Mm -hmm. moral agency, free agency, call it whatever you want to call it, um, it's hard for there to be responsibility. Right. If, If I can't, if I can't, if I can't, uh, choose now. I understand that we make decisions over time, and sometimes we put ourselves in a position where it's where we almost feel powerless mm-hmm. to make a decision that would seem rational from the outside, but to us in the moment, we mm-hmm. just you know. And and I'm sure we've all gotten in those situations where you say, "I don't want to do this. I'm going to regret doing this," and then I do this. And, uh, but, but, um, kind of like this podcast, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. But, uh, but I mean, I just, um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a strong believer that we've got, uh, agency and, and I've got, I, I've seen people that have, um, risen up over their circumstances Mm -hmm. Um, to be, I mean, this is, I'll use my kind of my, uh, my dad's language, a transition person, meaning a person that, that stops the cycle, that, that, that breaks the chains, whatever, however you want to say it, that, that goes in a different pattern than what they've had, what they've learned, Mm -hmm. what their experience has been Mm -hmm. as a, as a youth or growing up or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think a large part of this uh, uh, life is is making decisions and realizing I can be accountable. I've got to be honest with myself mm-hmm. um, to be responsible. And and I think that agency, that that uh, idea of of being able to make a decision, I mean, is 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 an integral part of that. Sure, of course. I, and I, I agree. I agree with you. This, 
this idea um, that we have choice. That that choice is something that's in front of us actually every day and almost every moment. That which way to go? You know? And 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 not making a decision is a choice. And not making a decision. I mean a that's it, but but it's um, yeah. I mean, you, Paul, you, you're the expert no. here, not 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 <laughs> me, but we're but not, not, <laughs> we're not uh, expert on life, yeah. Expert on my life, somewhat. But anyway, well, like I said before, we all play our own home movies, right? I mean, we uh-huh. we we see things um, based on our experience, and and uh, so often on you know, um, kind of what we've experienced. Those are the those are the lenses, if you will, through which we we're viewing the life. Yeah, yeah, um, and and sort of the this. I mean, one of the things I think about being a parent is teaching accountability. Um, and I'm not sure I'm always the best at it, but I, I believe that I've, I've made it um, a priority in, in sort of the, if you want to call them home lessons or whatever, um, <clears throat> that this idea of the difference between accountability and, and being a victim. It doesn't mean that, that people are not, don't experience being victimized at times, but... Um, one of the one of the uh, my first guests on here, and I think I talk about him in in the book too, was this idea that you know we can be victimized by a situation or event in our lives, um, but it's what we do with it after that. Do we continue to be perpetually victim victimized by it? This idea of taking accountability to me really fosters in the notion of of choice that we at every moment have a a, a choice in which direction we're going to go. And some days those choices maybe seem more obvious than others, but again, that still comes down to me and how my ability to be able to perceive what's going on around me, which, you know, sometimes I'm better at than others. It's, <laughs> there's no perfect science here by any means. Oh. Um, and I know that because of the feedback I get when I'm, you know, if, if something doesn't seem to be going well, the, the universe or, you know, people or family or someone, you know, well, tell me, give me feedback that, you know, things should probably be looking a little bit different right now, Paul, in, in, a, in the kindest of ways. So um, this idea that I use the, I use the term victim and um, the victim narrative, and I, I kind of wonder if what your experience with that has been in your life, this idea of having that victim story or stance that sometimes people have. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know you, Ben, I don't think we've ever really talked about this, this area. But I'm curious what your thoughts are about the, the victim stance or the victim narrative, and and how how is it, is it something that you've struggled with, or, or you know, I mean, actually I haven't met a human being that hasn't. But um, you know, in what ways do you find that sometimes becomes a challenge in your life, Joe? Well, I mean, um, this is kind of this is kind of requiring me to kind of you know hold up the mirror to myself and kind of. <laughs> And kind of look at it, uh-huh. look at myself in the mirror. I mean, I think where I find that I fall into this kind of uh, kind of victim thinking is when I find myself feeling sorry for myself. Uh-huh. I mean, if I stand back, um, uh, I realize that I've been just blessed, lucky beyond belief. Um, I've got a wonderful partner, a wonderful spouse. 
she's not perfect. I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. We've got great children who are not far from perfect. I live in a country where the economics are just ridiculous. I mean, we live in such our our standard of living is so high. So, uh, you you know, then the list goes on. And and so when when I find myself feeling sorry for myself, uh, many times I I find it 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 will happen in a uh, in in uh, my marriage relationship if I feel like you know my wife hasn't been kind enough to me or or she's she's more selfish than she should be or and then I start feeling you know this, this sorry for myself uh-huh. and uh and uh yeah again part of that is this 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 taking time to say hey this current is taking me down the river yeah and this is not where I want to be. I need to recalibrate. I need to reassess. And, uh, you know, I know my, my parents talked a lot about growing up this concept of, you know, beginning with the end in mind, mm-hmm. you know, trying to create mentally or spiritually kind of what you want and where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And then ask yourself the question, am I doing today what will lead me to what I profess as to what is most important in my life? And, uh, and, and, and that's, and that's, you know, that, that exercise of going through that, um, helps, helps me get out of and and again I'm not great at it but it helps me get out of this victim mentality mm-hmm. victim woe is me yeah, you know self pity yeah. I mean I'm I'm I've got this hard situation well I I don't and and uh and and usually to get me out of that it's a this reassessment of mm-hmm. okay where am I going and then number 2 usually for me it's getting outside of myself reaching out to someone making a connection try to serve someone in whatever way shape or form i've i've uh the um i've been uh working uh, you know here we've been married over 25 years and and uh i'm still amazed at how much work a relationship is I mean, I love my wife. I mean, I I adore her. She's fantastic. But that relationship and that consciously focusing on building that relationship and nurturing that relationship Mm -hmm. is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And I think too often um, I kind of take the position that, you know, kind of families just happen. You know, you get married or you live with someone and that relationship just happens. Break a little fairy dust. That's, a, that's and, and, yeah, and you know, people get married and then everything you all figure, you all figure it out after that. And then or children come into the picture and you just kind of figure it out. And and uh, that concept, I think, a defining part of my life is is uh, this um uh, this message that my parents have gone back to with this begin with the end in mind, yeah. trying to try again, trying to say, okay, 
you know, I don't want to sound too morbid here, but if I'm sitting at my funeral, um, what do I want my children to say mm-hmm. at my funeral? What do I want my spouse or my partner to say? Yeah. What do I want these people to say? And, um, and then, you know, okay, so how am I going to live today to, to get there? And, and um, anyway. Beautiful. That is, that, first of all, very well said, and thank you. I, I really appreciate the, you know, explaining that in, in such a, a diverse way, too. Um, and this idea that, uh, that this is an ongoing process, that you know, things just don't happen per se, and it's not like a have-to kind of thing. This is one of those beautiful moments that we, I guess we can take accountability and responsibility that we get to do all these things. Yeah. I mean, you talked about how fortunate we are to to live in you know the place we do um that you know stability and and um sort of safety and those kinds of things which maybe we take for granted a lot yeah. you know um this 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 system that that is in place and this and and this this country that we live in really has been for a long long time um been a gen- i mean it has its problems like every place does and because it's it's people right and Sometimes people don't always make the best decisions for you know the the whole, but generally speaking, we've been a pretty remarkable experiment. If uh, I were to say yeah. say that, um, definitely has its problems, like everything does, <laughs> and constantly going through different states of evolution. Oh yeah, that's yeah. For sure. Just don't read the news at yeah, all, right. and I mean, or if you no, want to get a read full, full dose of problems, just you know, yeah. pick up any newspaper yeah. around the country. It's true. It's true. Um, I want to know what, uh, even though you may have kind of answered this in a roundabout way, um, what brings you joy in life? Um, You know, I think that uh, two things, I think I would would say. Um, I connect joy for me with security and stability. And maybe that's wrong, but that's just, I mean, um, you know, this concept of happiness is mm-hmm. always been really interesting to me. I mean, this amorphous concept. I mean, we were, I, I met my wife at a study abroad program in Israel and, and we went to Egypt and to see these, uh, these Egyptian families, they seemed so happy. I mean, genuinely mm-hmm. happy. Mm-hmm. They had nothing, no, you know, no financially. Um, and so this concept of joy and happiness, I appreciate the fact that it's kind of in my own head. I mean, it's I'm making this stuff up, right? I mean, it's my perception of me feeling happy. Right. And, yeah, and, you, it's your and, story, your narrative. That's yeah. Creating that. right. So so but 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 um, without getting too off base here, but but uh I think for me, the two things are, we've talked about um, connection with people. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the, I am a firm believer of the fact that, that uh, the world runs on relationships. And it doesn't matter if you do large corporate transactional restructurings mm-hmm. like I do. Mm-hmm. It's all about relationships yeah. at the end of the day. 
and people connect because of relationships. People make economic decisions for big, large institutions because of relationships, and they turn on small relationship issues. Isn't that fascinating? And, uh, um, and so that's, as a lawyer, that's been my experience. So those, those relationship issues. And, and the second, I think, is um, my connection to a higher power, this, mm-hmm. this light within. I mean, I would... I I would call it a connection to God. I mean, and that that feeling yeah. and that that um, that comfort and security and and guidance um, would be the other kind of driver. So that that both the connection, the inter, the personal connection, and then then a connection to the divine or connection to God. That's that's just such an integral part of kind of who I am. And that's, I, I would distinguish that from religion. I mean, I, no, religion's I a part of that, but, sure, but, of course. but I mean, I've always said, I, I feel very strongly about the gospel of Jesus Christ, but I feel less strongly about religion and church. Mm. And, uh, um, and it's that same kind of concept. So those would be kind of the two. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, how do you how do you connect into your um, your own Zen? How, how do you find that place and that peace within you? And that I call it the Zen. I mean, this is called the Zen Zone, and I, only for the for, for for the idea that we're all coming together, or we come together to to share, you know, to break bread, so to speak. Um, yeah. But how, how do you connect to your Zen zone? And, and I, I know you've kind of talked about this a little bit. And, and it, it can be, you know, I, I look at this as self-care, too. So, uh-huh. and I mean, and we're talking, you know, emotional, spiritual, you know, physical, mental ways in which we find that sort of peace and, and calmness. And how, how does that come out for you? I mean, I, I, think, I think going back to... to to what we were talking about earlier, I think this um, there certainly is a physical component to to mm-hmm. it. I mean, when I am trying to take care of myself physically, meaning I'm I'm conscious about what I'm putting into myself, either eating, mm-hmm. um, uh, literature, music. Um, and, and, um, so part of it is, is being conscious about what am I feeling my mind with on a daily basis? And, uh, and then, then the other, then the other part is, is, um, I think this, I mean, I think that the Zen zone, what comes to my mind is this kind of quiet time for me, mm-hmm. um, and that's when I probably feel as much of um, an empowerment and uh, and a connection to the divine mm-hmm. um, than anything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that that kind of you know regular attempted regular orientation. And mm-hmm. again, Paul, I, I wish I were better at this, um, but. Uh, <laughs> Because I'm because I'm not great, but but it is. I mean, that's you know that that's that's probably. I mean, 
you know, I, 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 that's probably the one of the one of the biggest things to get me in the Zen zone, if you will. Okay, you know, and, I, and I, that makes that makes sense too. Um, this idea of, um, and I, I kind of see, or, or feel, I should say, and, and see that this idea of, of how we connect and that's a place with deep within us too. Um, doesn't mean that you know it's because I, I that happens in nature. I mean, I can go for a walk in the desert, and you know, all about. I mean, I've, I've been for some walkabouts in the desert, so to speak. That's what I call them. When I go out for three or four days all by myself, and and it, there's there's moments wow. out there where uh, where like time, whatever, everything seems to just stop, mm-hmm. and and I felt more con- I feel more connected then in those in those moments than I do in almost in any other time. And it's because I live some, there's part of it that's I kind of lose myself a little bit. And so mm-hmm. I, I feel part of something in, in some ways, even though I can't necessarily always define it. And, yeah. and I don't feel like I, I, I need to as well either. Um, well, and I think there's so many things that, that we can know and not because we can define it. I mean, I can't, this idea of spirituality for me, uh-huh. Um, I couldn't convince you. I mean, I just, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, uh, prove to me that your mother loves you. Well, I, I know, <laughs> I, I know that yes. my mother loves me right. and I have a feeling I can't prove that to you. I mean, but, but it's, there are things that I think you sense, um, I would probably call it spiritually discern, mm-hmm. um, yeah. that is is beyond the senses it's beyond the touch and taste and yeah. feel and um and and smell and but but we can know and we can feel like this is this is truth for me this is i i can right. understand and and uh self actualization is it seems kind of where you're drifting into yeah so so uh, anyway so i just uh i think that's that's you know Part of that, um, you know, I'm 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 off here, but but I mean, part of that, um, <laughs> getting to a point of saying, okay, I, I I have my belief system and I have an orientation. I think there. I mean, I guess my point is, is that that, for me at least, that has been more than just the something that I can prove. Or I mean, I just it's right. a, but I you know I can feel confident about it, but I can't quite explain it. Which is really, I mean, that's what faith is, right? Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that comes down to this idea of, um, so, uh, so it's great I don't have to ask the next question because we just, you, you just answered it. This idea of faith, you know, how, how do we find that? How, how do we connect to it, to God, to universe, to faith? And I think you just did a beautiful way of explaining that, you know, how, because it, it, faith is different than belief. You know, yes. have a belief about something. Faith, is, in a way, is if, for me. I will say this: it connects to some kind of inner knowing. And I did use the term self-actualized, but you know, that's a, a Maslow concept that was came about at the beginning of transpersonal psychology. But I, I see this this idea of um, this inner. It becomes an inner knowing. You know, and I, I think that faith gets tied into that in such a, a deep, a deep way. The same way that a term like hope does, and that 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 was a four-letter word for me for a long time. By the way, hmm. I've told a lot of people that because I, I kind of grew up in this really 
um, sort of cognitive thinking, black and white thinking sometimes that, you know, there is no such thing really as hope. That hope is kind of hmm. a fallacy. Um, then when I realized that I, I was really drawn, and I knew this back in high school, Joe, that I wanted to be a, a therapist, um, even though I waited a while to, to officially take that, join that path. Because um, you had to get your six other degrees yeah, before you, whatever. you know, yeah. <laughs> yes. well, yeah, my, my, my madness. Um, that this idea that I was taught, you know, the good ship hope has sank, you know, that mm-hmm. there really isn't hope. Don't count on it. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And then I sort of had this, again, realization that, no, there, there, hope is a real thing. In fact, if I'm going to be effective at all as a human being and connect, and I, I must be able to embrace hope, mm-hmm. and especially when it, it comes to working with, with people. Um, I must have hope for them. And if I don't, um, then then I probably shouldn't do what I do. So, okay, we're going to move on to the the last the last area, and I did mention this to you before we started. So, uh, we we did, you talked about what you what you wonder what your your family or what you hope that they say to you, you know, your life celebration or or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, um, this idea of if there's a song or any type of music or something that I guess represents you, Joe. Um, if there would be one or two songs that you you think that uh, would would do that, because I I always th- I, I know that music's important to you. We've talked a little bit yeah. about that, and so is there anything that stands out that you think kind of represents? Well, um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I will tell you that the if you ask my family, uh, you know, what song does your dad want to play at his, you know, celebration? Uh-huh. Um, they will talk about uh, um, Man of La Mancha. So Man of La Mancha, they, he sings this song about dream the impossible dream. And maybe this goes to your hope yeah. concept. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of an idealistic... He's, he's talking uh, in the song, he's talking about... Uh, um, having a noble cause and uh, to fight for the right and uh, and um, to have kind of a mission and a purpose and a you know to be willing to to walk into uh, hell for a heavenly cause uh-huh. and um, and then he and then it's kind of a if I can only be true to this quest. I know that when I lay down and to rest in the end, I'll be happy and fulfilled. And uh, and I don't know. I mean, maybe that's not. Maybe that song's not real defining in my life. But but I think. But I relate to that. I mean, I relate to again this idea of kind of beginning with the end in mind and and uh, my personal quest. Um, I mean, my personal quest has to do with people. I mean, it's, I've got, you know, um, it's relationships. It's, it's okay with this. And part of the morning meditation is, um, this isn't every morning, but this is periodically, okay, I'm going to go through my relationships. My son, Taylor, my daughter-in-law, Mikhail, my 
what's my relationship with them? How do they perceive me? Yes. How can I improve on that? What can I do? Um, can I send a text today? Can I make a phone call? Can I make a connection? Can I do something to build, develop, strengthen, support them? I mean, you know, and uh, and and I think part of that song is kind of this probably idealistic kind of uh, this quest that I have and mm-hmm. and uh, but you know so I guess I guess you know that's a beautiful explanation yeah yeah I, I think that's a powerful statement about a song and I find it interesting you you said your kids would think that that would be the song to- yeah yeah I mean I've 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 gotten a I mean it's an old song I mean this is an old play from the 60s or I mean my parents played Man of La Mancha I think I heard it when I was growing up but didn't think anything of it but but uh but yeah a couple of my kids I've then kind of you know indoctrinated with this with yeah. this song so they kind of they kind of like it but uh but it's it's not you know, this isn't a pop culture song that you're going to play, and anyone's going. I mean, if I put this on, my 16 year old daughter is going to roll her eyes and look at me like, "Dad, stop, yeah. please." Well, you know. it's, it's, it'll be it'll have played underneath our discussion here anyway. Yeah. So. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right, beautiful, Joe. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful you agreed to do this. Was you, you lived through it. Paul, you're a, you're a lovely person. You and Krista, I mean, your wife, really. I mean, you're you're remarkable people, and uh, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and the same to you and your family. Um, we will uh, go out as we always do. Um, not with a man from La Mancha, because you've already heard that, but with little Joan Osborne. Have a good week. We'll talk to you next week. 